welcome to the Delling Pod with me, James Dellingpod. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but I, I have landed a whale, I would say, today. I mean, Jason Miller. Jason was like press spokesman for, for Donald Trump. Or what, what was your exact title, Jason? Yeah, James, uh, thanks for having me. So I was his senior advisor on the two presidential campaigns. So I was with him both in 2016, the historic win, uh, and then, of course, in 2020, where uh, it seems that election just continues in perpetuity. Uh, but obviously, uh, we came up 44,000 votes over three states uh, short. So it was uh, a razor thin contest. Uh, so still very close with President Trump. And then I, I ran his uh, impeachment defense uh, effort uh, for his second impeachment, I should say, and was with him until joining as the CEO of Getter, the new social media company. So I completely, I completely blew it. Um, you weren't a mere press spokesman. You were actually even more powerful than than I, than I imagined. Um, but it's it, when when you work for President Trump, it's uh, there's President Trump and there's everybody else. And so don't uh, don't worry about that. But I was uh, for most of the stretch, I was his lead spokesperson for 2016. Oh no! But obviously, part of a, a bigger team. But don't worry about the title stuff. That's good. Um, now, there's loads of stuff I want to ask you, and um, but I have a problem when talking to American conservatives. I mean, particularly ones who've held kind of positions of influence and power, like 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 you have, which is that some of them are prepared to go completely down the rabbit hole with me. And some of them are, are much more cautious. For example, I, I, I interviewed the other day um, a, a wonderful American conservative commentator, and we agreed on most, most stuff. But she wasn't prepared to go down the rabbit hole. Well, it's, it's, not, it's not even a rabbit hole. It's just true about the stolen presidential election. I know some people are kind of awkward about this. You know, it, 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 it's like... It's like a sort of somebody's farted in the elevator and, and, and a lot of people want to pretend that nobody has broken wind and, and that it's all fragrant and above board. Um, and I was wondering where you are on this. Are you, are you, are you being cautious and, and politic about Trump or are you, are you, yeah, it was stolen? Well, let me go and chunk it out into two parts, and it's not uh, quite as easy as it might sound. So one of the things that uh, folks, particularly in the UK, might not realize is that the US Constitution sets it up to where state legislatures need to set up the voting systems and the, the way that uh, the elections are held at a state by state level. Yeah. And in many states around the country, particularly ones that are controlled by Democratic governors, they circumvented the state legislatures, set it up uh, really under the guise of COVID. Here's how we're going to make it safer. Yeah. We're just going to send ballots out to everybody and, and don't worry about it. Yeah. I do believe that that was a direct violation um, of the uh, of the Constitution. Now, yep. specific to the the fraud irregularities, uh, I do think that there are uh, considerable fraud irregularities that we've seen in a number of states. Uh, I have not seen, based purely on the fraud irregularities, uh, the direct numbers that would show that the election should be reversed. Uh, but in the in the total context, when you talk about the constitutional violation regarding Article Two, in the way that laws were circumvented, uh, again in the ostensibly because of COVID, and also the real concerns we've seen with the fraud and abuse, uh, I do think it's an issue that warrants additional conversation and some probably some state level reforms. Probably not the federal level, probably state level. Um, but Joe Biden is the current president of the United States, and 
Uh, Kamala Harris is the, the vice president, and I hope to beat both of them again uh, in 2024 with, uh, you know, if President Trump comes back or somebody else. Uh, but but in the meantime, if uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris want to come and join uh, Getter, the social media platform, uh, I have their handles reserved for them. So I, I got my political hat on, but I'm also being re- realistic about uh, who's in the White House. And so um, I don't know if that's a, a deep enough rabbit hole for you, but that's where I am. I thought, well, I'll tell you what it is, Jason. It's a very politic answer. I mean, I suppose you are working within the system. I, I look from where I'm sitting. It was the most outrageous. Uh, it was grand larceny, the, the biggest act of theft in in political history. I think you've got a fake president right now. I think you're basically a, a communist state enthralled to the CCP, um, run by a, by a, a a crook with 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 dementia. Um, but I can say that because I can be, you know, I'm I'm a sort of gung ho. Um, conservative commentator. At the same time, I'm hardly in a position to, to chuck too many stones uh, across the pond because I think that what's happening in my country is just as uh, appalling. I think that what's happening around the world is a kind of coup by a globalist technocratic elite and and Biden and and Kamala Harris are part of that. And of course, another part of this of this coup that's taken place is the um the destruction of freedom of speech which w- w- to which you have responded with your getter website i, I must confess i have not been on to getter yet i, I i'm not going to go on until i get my guaranteed uh blue tick or whatever you what, what do you have on getter you have blue ticks or something else uh, so we have a red verification symbol, and I will guarantee you that we'll get your verification symbol up immediately. So we'll talk after the show. I'll make sure that uh, it's there and it's waiting for you, uh, so that there there won't be any any sort of delay. And what are you what are you doing that uh, that I mean, obviously you're not going to be as full of rampant left uh, censorious leftists as Twitter is, uh, and you're not. What's your sort of um, chucking people off policy is the, is it completely no holds barred or what? Yeah, so let me give you a little bit of the overview to make sure people understand the value proposition. Why I believe that Getter is different. What we say by that is, if you believe in free speech and you oppose cancel culture, we want you to come join. That could be in the U.S., could be in the U.K., could be anywhere around the world. And in fact, right now, the Getter platform, only about 45% of the 1.5 million global users are in the U.S., about 15% are Brazil. U.K. is about 3% right now, but rising rapidly. And we see U.K. is a uh, a big growth market. And so uh, this is truly a global platform, which is different from a lot of other alternative platforms that have come out in the past. This is something that that truly is. So uh, to the question, though, our commitment and our pledge, uh, not only will we never sell or share any user data, which is different from, again, Facebook and Twitter, but you'll never be deplatformed or censored on Getter for sharing your political beliefs. Now, does that mean that there's no moderation policy and, and complete no holds barred? Not at all. We do have what I would say is a, uh, a proactive and a robust moderation strategy, but that's to ensure that, for example, people aren't being physically threatened, that they're not racial epithets, uh, that there's not explicit pornography that's being put on uh, the Getter platform. So those are the goals and ideals that we strive for, because in order to have that free speech for people to be able to talk in political terms. So here in the U.S., where we saw President Trump being deplatformed, we've seen people, in fact, a recent polling that I saw showed 20 percent 
of all Republicans in the U.S. either know someone or have been kicked off of a platform themselves, uh, yeah. which is was pretty outrageous. But nobody should ever say that uh, freedom of speech is fine as long as you agree with the, the big tech oligarchs in California. That's the wrong way to do it. Yeah, but it, but it's actually I mean, it's even worse than 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 what you said implies. I mean, did, did you did you see the 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 Twitter thread that um, Tucker read out on his show, his analysis of what has happened. I mean, I don't think that any of that is disputable, is it? I mean, it really is, things really are that bad. That the Trump won more, let's be honest. I know you've got to pretend that, that this is all, everything's fair and above board and, and legal and stuff, but actually- I, Trump I, wouldn't, got, say, I wouldn't say, yeah. No, okay, okay. You, you no, sort of I, I wouldn't me halfway. Say, yeah, no, there, there are a number of places. I mean, look, in, in particular, when we take a look at um, Georgia with the uh, the concern about the lack of chain of custody records uh, for all the drop boxes. I mean, that's a, a big concern when it comes to the election. Uh, in Arizona, the Maricopa hearing just showed that there are potentially upwards of 70 or 80,000 votes um, that still they have no idea when they were actually cast. Um, even take a look at a state like Nevada, which now this is kind of absurd and people in the UK might not realize how ridiculous this is, uh, is and how kind of goofed up the, uh, the American voting system is. You can turn in a mail-in vote in the state of Nevada three days after the election with no postmark and it counts. Now, the difference with Nevada is they actually passed it through the state legislature. So the state legislature is a bunch of nut jobs. And so there, there's a lot of uh, real concerns with the, with the fraud and abuse. So I'm not, I'm not seeding that yeah. at all. Uh, my broader point is that once you, um, once you swear someone in as president, the Constitution only allows removal from office by one method, and that's my impeachment. And right now, with Democrats controlling the House and the Sen and the Senate, uh, that's not going anywhere. But I think it's uh, it's pivotal that that we go and fix this system so people can have confidence in the elections going forward. Except we can't, can we? Because I mean, let, let's 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 ride my one of my hobby horses at the moment. I mean, I, I really do get upset what's by what, what's happening in America. I look for example. Look, I'm coming from the perspective that I love America. I, I think the Republic is a, is a genius invention or rather a, a kind of a, a reinvention of, of the Roman Republic. And I feel I can claim partial credit for this. I mean, not literally personally, but it was after all, they, they were basically Brits who came over to your side. They were, they were products of, of, of uh, uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, people like 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 Locke, you know, thinkers like that led to the they they formed the intellects of the men who came over to to create your constitution, your brilliant founding fathers, and they put in these checks and balances, which I've read all about, and you know, I've, Americans have a, have a wonderful thing you do where you make our system in England seem kind of really not as good as yours because you've got all these fantastic checks and balances like your Supreme Court. And then I look at your Supreme Court and I remember all the, how Donald Trump, how hard he fought for that man, Kavanaugh, to, to get him into the Supreme Court. And how is Kavanaugh rewarding him? I mean, Justice Alito, I think, has warned about this recently. He said, do not expect 
Kavanaugh, I mean, this is, I paraphrase because he wouldn't have used these words. Do not expect Kavanaugh to do anything other than be a complete cuck and betray conservative values utterly. Your, your, your Supreme Court has been taken over by the enemy. And do you remember that period where we thought, this is great. We finally got a Supreme Court where, where the majority are conservatives. How did that work out? I mean, we've been we've been screwed. If if you believe in conservatism, we've been screwed on every level. Do you not do you not share my despair slightly? No, I would agree with you. In fact, uh, for as much um, good that I think President Trump's administration did with remaking, I say remaking the federal court system. Not that the structure changed, but that they got a lot of young conservatives put in at these different uh, circuit court positions uh, all around the country. In fact. Some of these young folks in their 30s and 40s will be there for a half century. And so uh, a lot of that, um, I think, and, and look, President Trump, this doesn't say anything that he hasn't said himself, um, I think uh, swung and missed on, uh, on uh, you could say, two, if not all three of his picks uh, with regard to the, the Supreme Court, which uh, is, is frustrating. I, I think that that's largely a faction uh, of some of the folks, you know, take a look at Kavanaugh. He had some, uh, some kind of Bushies, so to speak, George W. Bush uh, type people um, that were in President Trump's administration at the beginning who picked Kavanaugh. And let's just be clear. I mean, Kavanaugh, not only is he just weak, uh, I mean, you can tell even just talking to the guy or seeing the guy that he's not someone who has a lot of fortitude. He's not going to stand up and put aside that this has nothing to do with the, what I thought were ridiculous allegations of uh, going back to, to him in high school, which I thought was just absurd. Um, and, uh, and, and the fact he's been confirmed by these Democrats over and over uh, for circuit court positions. And then they come back and try to say, oh, hey, 40 years ago. OK, I think that's a bunch of nonsense. Uh, but just you can tell that Kavanaugh is not someone who's particularly uh, has a lot of fortitude. I mean, his, you know, he, he's, a, he's essentially a swamp creature. He's a yeah. go along to get along. He's always going to be wanting to make sure uh, who he's going to be sitting by for his Washington national season tickets, um, uh, the baseball team uh, here in D.C., and so uh, you can just tell that he is not he is not someone of the same cloth as say Justice Thomas uh, or go into the the Justice Alito you know the the rock solid yeah. these are the conservatives uh, and that's uh, we're not going to get the lions so does we did not get the lions we got kind of the sheep with regard to Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and, and Barrett unfortunately I think some of their decisions over the past year have really uh, really bore that out uh, but uh, I do think that there are some some very good Good picks at the circuit court level. Some folks that I know personally that I think will be the lions as we go into the uh, the next couple of decades here. Uh, but no, I, I, I share your frustration with uh, with some of the Supreme Court picks as well. Yeah, well, now now you're kind of talking my language, Jason. I, w- I want to ask you something because um, it's puzzled me. So after the after the what I consider to be a, the, the stolen election, I was living on. Hopium, as it now turns out, that that President Trump had a plan and and that I mean, he gave us a clue. He said the best is yet to come. And I was thinking, yeah, he's got a plan. And it maybe it involves the Space Force because every other other branch of government has been suborned by the left. I mean, you know, look at the Navy. The Navy is more interested in diversity than it is in kind of fighting Chinese aircraft carriers and things it's 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 everything is the whole system is 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 broken um and and then i i went past the hopium stage and i realized he ain't got a plan or if he did have a plan 
the enemy, the deep state is so powerful that, that actually he can't, he couldn't bring it off. Now, there are two theories that us sort of massive Trump fans have. Either, and I'm sure again, you're, you're going to disagree with this one, either he was really a, a swamp creature himself all along, that he was just a, you know another creature of the political system, just slightly less bad than Hillary would have been. Or it's that the swamp was so deep and wide, the system was so monstrously corrupt that even though he, he came in there with good intentions, he was constantly undermined by his administration, by the, you know, the, by the GOP establishment. Which is it? So I'd say I think the, the latter point, I definitely agree with the fact that even the people who pretend to be his strong allies, uh, the people who have an R by their name, a Republican by their name on Capitol Hill, are actually pretty weak. I mean, uh, the reality is, is that uh, the vast majority of members of Congress, Republicans and Democrats, uh, are largely ineffectual. Um, you know, it's really it's the uh, you know, you got about 10 percent of Congress that are the, you know, the real fighters, the real champions and the rest are kind of there to uh, kind of steal oxygen, so to speak. Uh, but I think there's also with regard to some of the uh, some of the advice givers or some of the administration folks early on. I think there's uh, also there are some people who, who really didn't have President Trump's uh, vision in mind. Uh, they were kind of looking ahead to their next um, their next job or their next uh, swamp creature activity, so to speak. Uh, but the other thing, too, is that, look, uh, President Trump, I think, put his trust in some people early on in the administration uh, that led him wrong. So let me give you an example. When President Trump won in 2016, obviously, he talked about repealing uh, Obamacare, uh, the, the monstrosity that, uh, that, <laughs> that his predecessor put into place. You would have thought that Paul Ryan and House Republicans, Speaker, then Speaker Paul Ryan, would have shown up uh, at the inauguration and jumped out of a birthday, birthday cake like Marilyn Monroe saying, here's your Obamacare repeal and replacement plan. Yeah. Let's go and do it. We have a great plan. We're going to do this. We've passed literally the House GOP. And I know it might be a little inside the uh, inside baseball, kind of in the weeds uh, for some of the folks in the UK. But the House Republicans had literally passed like 25 or 30 different Obamacare. Obamacare repeal bills uh, in advance of President Trump's victory. And then what we found out is everything that they passed was trash. Uh, that None of it worked. None of it had really been modeled out. They'd never really planned it out. And so President Trump, when he arrived, I mean, they wasted a good two, three months of trying to push forward with some new legislation on that. And they never ultimately were able to do it. So I think there are a lot of folks that let him down that President Trump put some, some trust and confidence in uh, because he ultimately... Uh, wanted to be a, a uniter, wanted to be someone to lead going forward. But what he quickly learned is the swamp, it's not even so much a Republican-Democrat thing, it's a change versus the status quo, that it, uh, the bureaucracies are so entrenched in Washington. Uh, and President Trump's really the second outsider president ever, Andrew Jackson being the first, President Trump being the second, who truly came in that didn't care what anyone else had to say and was more than happy to light the drapes on fire, uh, to go and, uh, and, and get the party started, um, but it's uh, it is hard to take on. Uh, it's it's like going to uh, going to Vegas and thinking you're going to beat the house. But do you think he knew, for example, that Bill Barr was a snake? Did he know that his own vice vice president was going to knife him in the back? Did, did he trust these people? Was he innocent, or or what? 
I think uh, I think he hoped for them to uh, to be the best. I think in particular with Barr. I mean, look, Barr had been the final attorney general for George H. W. Bush back in 1992. Uh, he lives in McLean, Virginia, and Tony uh, McLean, Virginia, which is very much inside the Beltway and is uh, is uh, swamp as it gets. I, I'm not sure if they have any actual alligators in McLean, but it completely wouldn't surprise me. Um, and with regard to the the vice president, uh, look, I am disappointed that the vice president didn't go and say that we could send some of these decisions back to the states to have uh, the fraud and irregularities investigated. I think in particular, um, and just go back to three states in particular, uh, the, you know, President Trump only lost that Wisconsin state Supreme Court decision four to three. And it was really on kind of a technicality and a jurisdictional issue that they ruled against them, but uh, showed with a preponderance that the way the fact that all these mail-in ballots were sent out without applications, that those were um, uh, invalid ballots, so to speak. He didn't get the decision, but it's clear that he was right. Uh, there are continued questions with regard to Georgia and Arizona uh, that I think would have shown some serious light, if not even potentially impacted the, the outcome of those particular state elections. Um, and I wish the vice president had sent it back to the states. So uh, there were certain people, I think, that stepped up and, and did their best for the president. There are certain people that, that let him down. Uh, but it's uh, I would still say that the overall it's the most transformative uh, first term presidency we've ever seen in uh, U.S. history. Um, I hope he comes back and, and gives it another shot. Uh, but it's I think he, he if that is the case, he'll be much more wiser on who he puts in and who he puts trust in. Right. Yes. Well, uh, amen to that. But I mean, who actually made these decisions? Was it Trump or was it his kind of swampy advisors? Uh, good question. Uh, sometimes it would be a mix. I mean, initially, keep in mind, President Trump, because he had said, you know, he had been to, I think, Washington, D.C. 17 times in his life prior to coming in for the presidency. And he had never even stayed overnight in Washington, D.C. once. This was not uh, a world that he was uh, uh, well versed in as far as the, um, the the personnel and the people like that, because quite frankly, uh, uh, you know, Washington's a little bit of the the Hollywood for ugly people, as they, they like to say. Yeah. That's where you have a lot of people who couldn't hack it and stay in the business world or in real life uh, go because they like to um, they like to play politics. And so President Trump, who's been someone who's been focused on building a real estate empire, making money, uh, being in entertainment in the media, that's always been his focus. And quite frankly, didn't have some of the killers that you would have expected early on. I think toward the end, he had a lot better. I think Mark Meadows uh, was by far his best chief of staff, I think. Um, uh, I think there are other people that that he put in. John McEntee, I think a personnel, uh, I think uh, really did a good job over the final year on that. Uh, if we'd had someone like John McEntee in that spot from the beginning, I think the administration would look much better, uh, quite frankly. So, um, you know, it's uh, look, it, it, it's it's frustrating on some of it turned out, but it doesn't mean they didn't have a lot of accomplishments in that that first four years. What, where are you on Bannon? I mean, I'm I'm quite a I'm quite a fan a fan of the Steve. I I I don't think Steve is swamp, even though he's ex Goldman Sachs. I think he's one of the good guys. And I was wondering whether maybe it was a mistake getting rid of him. Uh, I think it would have been uh, smart for President Trump to have Steve uh, stay around. Uh, although I think at a certain point, I think Steve. Um, I don't know how long Steve would have ultimately stayed just because, uh, you know, Steve's just not the uh, type of person who wants to. No, I, I know what you mean about Steve. Suit, suit and tie. Uh, 
uh, you know, he just, he, you know, he, he's a, Steve's a non-conformer. So just so folks know, uh, Steve's a, a good longtime friend of mine, uh, someone who's uh, been a strong ally of mine. Uh, we started the War Room podcast together. Uh, so we did the War Room impeachment where he helped defend President Trump. Then we started War Room pandemic. Um, and uh, I which, I, is, I, which is I brilliant. Did, I mean, know, three it, or 400. War Room pandemic was one of the best things in the, to have come out, actually, of the last four years in America, I think. You know, if it hadn't been, I mean, maybe it gave us too much hope because I, because I, I listened to Steve, Steve, you know, and and I, I, I kind of, I, I thought that maybe Trump was going to pull something out of the woodwork yet, you know, right to the bitter end. I, I, I couldn't quite believe it when, when, but yeah, Steve's a maverick figure, but, but Steve, that's, Steve is untainted, I think, but bizarrely given, given some of his background, I mean, given that he's from the military, which I'm afraid is, is part of the swamp. It really is, isn't it? And and Goldman Sachs. Well, I'd, say, I'd say military. I'd say military leadership, especially as you take a look at General Mark Milley and the, the the outrageous. In fact, I was on television a little bit earlier saying that he should be court-martialed. Um, he should be fired uh, from uh, his position as chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Uh, and I think what Mark Milley is doing, uh, I describe him as the Robert Moeller of the U.S. military, basically someone who's completely disrespected his entire um, uh, his entire profession by coming in there and throwing aside the notion that we're going to have unbiased, unpolitical people, non-political people uh, in the military. And really, what what I think Billy is going to do is open up a whole generation of younger soldiers, men and women, who think it's okay to undermine the chain of command. Think it's okay to speak out against superiors, even in a way that would harm the country or your your mission uh, that you have. And so, uh, some of the some of the career military, some of the generals at the top, the folks who got us into the endless wars. Um, I mean, take a look at even just the you know why were we in Afghanistan for twenty years? You know, explain that one to me. Um, and so, I could uh, tell you, you know, why, some of these things are. But you know, for the same reason that 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 America got involved in the first Gulf War and the second Gulf War, it's ultimately about about oil and the military industrial complex. And we know the people who benefit from that. You know, you mentioned you mentioned the Bushes. The Bushes are almost as bad as Obama, I think. I think, which is which is why Trump was such a sort of breath of fresh air. Uh, You know, you you make a really good point. And the one thing I'd add on that that um it was a line that um, that President Trump and I worked together on in 2016 is that he was running as an indictment of the failed politicians from both parties. And the one thing that we would always do and some of the biggest applause would get, he wouldn't necessarily just get up there and say Obama was bad and then Clinton was bad. He'd get up there and say Obama and Bush and Clinton this was an outsider insider construct that he was running against the entrenched forces the status quo that right there we would get he would get almost bigger cheer lines when he would criticize george w bush than even throwing out say like a bill clinton because that was the signal to people say you know what this isn't just some r versus d republican versus democrat thing this is an acknowledgement that the uh, elected officials from both parties have failed americans yeah totally totally um yeah Tell me, maybe you can't answer this question, but I've, a lot of us have wondered, why did he not invoke the Insurrection Act? Given that there must have been so much NSA evidence to show that, that foreign, foreign interference in all manner of means via the, the Dominion machines, the stuff that's going on in Italy. Um, why did this never get used? 
So I know that so some of this I can speak to, some of it can't just for the simple fact that I was on the, the campaign side and not in the White House side. And so there were certain conversations he'd have with, say, for example, his uh, general counsel, some of his lawyers I wasn't privy to or I wouldn't have been invited into because it would have violated some of the attorney-client privilege and some of, the, some of those constructs. Um, but I, I think that especially when we talk about the um, the investigation, some of the fraud. I mean, I, I don't see any uh, excuse for why Bill Barr didn't actually go and do anything about these clear irregularities uh, that we saw. And there was that stretch between November 3rd and then ultimately January 6th when the electoral votes are formally counted. And that's the formal process two weeks then before uh, the, the new president or the current president would be um, sworn in that had that, that two full months there to go and do it and Barr did nothing. So uh, as far as specific to the Insurrection Act, I can't speak to just because I don't know on the exact legal parameters if that was the right thing. But what I can say is that uh, it was disgraceful that the bar never did anything on election fraud. Yeah, I think when you look at who Barr's father was, it sort of slightly becomes becomes clearer. I mean, he's you know, he is a swamp. He is a swamp creature through and through. But yeah, it was very frustrating. I was just wondering whether perhaps. People were saying in the last days of, of Trump's administration that there were certain worm tongue type figures who had his ear and were preventing anyone from getting through to give him independent advice. So he was captured. He was surrounded by swamp towards the end. And even if he had taken the, the was tempted to take the brave and principled decision to go for the insurrection, because it would have been brave, um, that, that he was ill counseled. Have you heard that? I've definitely heard criticisms uh, of that nature. Um, again, specific to the Insurrection Act, just since I'm I'm not a lawyer and I, I can't pretend to know the exact intricacies of that. Um, I got a punt a little bit on that one, but I, I can say that there were, um, if you, look, the DOJ, the Department of Justice is one big uh, swamp apparatus. And it's basically the way it works is that if President Trump wanted to do something such as clamp down on um, the Black Lives Matter violence uh, from the summer of 2020, they would do nothing. When it came to the statue topplers, they would do nothing. When it came to the Antifa rioters in a number of these cities, they would do nothing. And I, I never quite understood. But if President Trump were to go and say, uh, pick up the phone and say, hey, Bill, uh, once you get the people on it, go and take care of this. Then, of course, that's meddling in justice. Um, and so it's it's one of those, I think, for many in the media and the swamp, uh, a heads that they win, tails Trump loses as far as what the standard is for where he can go and, and try to put the levers. But uh, it, it seems to me that when we're talking about such basic things as keep, keeping people safe, making sure that elections are not rigged or not um, uh, completely uh, misformed, that seems to be a common good. I don't see where that's a partisan issue. Yeah. So so just tell me a bit about on a personal level, what it was like for you, because I mean, you, you're clearly, you know, on, on the same team as me. You're a Trump fan, a Trump loyalist. You know, you and you, you know, you're coming from the right side of the argument. You believe in in liberty and due process and all the things that we thought America stood for. Right. Um, what was it like seeing this kind of the, the Trump dream the thing we all wanted we got the guy we wanted in the white house in the oval office and all around him he's being undermined and wasn't it frustrating uh, it was frustrating uh, yeah uh, it was it was greatly frustrating and i'll tell you that the um the great thing about president trump this is something that uh, he doesn't get near enough credit for is that 
since he's not looking at things through a political lens, it really opened things up to him making such better decisions for the country. And so you think, you know, there were all the the doomsday scenarios of Trump is going to, you know, the Middle East is going to erupt into violence and uh, it's going to, you know, start World War III and Trump got Middle East peace. Um, they said that what President Trump was doing with regard to trade type issues you can't do that. You can't go and uh, you're going to jack up the cost of a flat screen uh, TV in the U.S. by a couple hundred dollars and the, the citizens will pick up their pitchforks and come after you. Actually, folks uh, pumped their fist and said, yeah, why do we why we completely undermine and obliterated our own tech industries uh, on behalf of having, again, flat screens that are one or two hundred dollars cheaper. So seeing the way that he would cut through these supposed third rails of politics where they say that, oh, you can't touch this. You can't, this isn't a reform that you can do. Uh, his ideas and his, really his, uh, the, the clarity with which he would see the solution and just cut right through and say, I don't care who it upsets, uh, or I don't care who in the beltway or who in the swamp it upsets. This is what people want. And uh, the fact that there weren't enough people who bought into that vision, uh, especially at the, the outset of the administration. But there's one other thing too, James, I, I want to make sure that we don't lose sight of. President Trump has made it pretty clear that he really had two jobs during his time as president. And I think he's, he's being spot on here. One was to go and govern, to, to do the job as president. But the other was to survive. You think about the, the Russia hoax at the beginning. You think about the, the Mueller witch hunt which you know, took up, what, two and a half years of his presidency. Um, you think about impeachment hoax one, you think about impeachment hoax two, uh, the constant, constant efforts to undermine the credibility and legitimacy of his presidency, to have him caught up in legal drama and have his staff and everyone around him caught up in um, dealing with all these investigative type issues that had nothing, uh, no basis in fact, even, look, even in his post-presidency, we see this idiocy coming from uh, Cy Vance in the Manhattan DA's office where they spend years investigating him. They spend tens of millions of dollars, and then they go after a 73-year-old CFO for supposedly not paying uh, taxes on free parking spaces, which like, you're – I mean, Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, so people understand this, she campaigned in 2018 saying she was going to lock Trump up. Think about this. The Attorney General. At, you know, lawmakers or, you know, or law enforcer, the chief law enforcement agent of the state of New York running for office saying, I'm going to lock up Trump. And th but it's OK because it's New York and she's a lib uh, and she doesn't like Trump so she can say it. Uh, but that's what President Trump faced uh, through all four years of his presidency and even beyond. And as he likes to say, as soon as he came down the escalator, they started the investigations. And guess what? Every single one of them have fallen flat on their face. It's just because they hate his politics. Yeah, I, that's a fair enough comment that, that, that what he did was he interrupted the 12 year plan. Because it was going to be, wasn't it? It was going to be two terms of Obama, and then it was going to be two terms of Obama's placement. Obama was going to control Hillary Clinton, and that's how it was going to be. And Trump derailed that, and also he didn't get assassinated, which is which I, I find pretty amazing, given how completely corrupt your whole, you know, the FBI, the CIA, everything. That you know, I mean, amazing, amazing. But is there? Is there any hope for America? Okay, so let's go to let's go go to Getter. Is oh, by the way, is Trump going to be on Getter? Is he on it already? I hope we get him. He's not. He's not on Getter at the moment. We've uh, had several conversations about it. I've been um, pushing him pretty good, but I also know, having worked for President Trump, that you push him to a certain extent, let him come to a decision on his own. 
Uh, I know he has a couple other offers to join other platforms, but look, the fact that we're at a million and a half users after a week and a half is the fastest to a million in social media history around the world. Um, and not only do we have a we have President Bolsonaro from Brazil, uh, his son Flavio joined the platform. It's about, 40, like I said earlier, 45% US, 15% Brazil. It's truly a global platform. And the cool thing about that is, uh, look, it doesn't matter what country you wake up in. It doesn't matter if you're waking up in the US and you're mad at Silicon Valley. If you're waking up in Hong Kong and you're mad at the CCP, if you're waking up in India and you're ticked off at Twitter for messing with uh, Prime Minister Modi, the desire for free speech the anger toward these big tech oligarchs, the, it really it plays into this kind of the, the elites versus the working men and women that we saw at President Trump's election, yeah. that we saw with the leave vote, uh, that we're seeing in all these um, pushbacks around the world. People are fighting mad about what they see the elites doing and trying to control everyone's thought. And so the speech is there. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, I, 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 I agree with your analysis that that, that there is this massive um, proportion of the population around the world which feels very hard done by by the political system. I mean, it's extraordinary what it must like to be an American conservative right now, knowing that the president you voted for is not in the Oval Office. You know, knowing that. President Trump probably got more votes than any presidential candidate in history. And he was beaten by a senile crook who didn't even go on the campaign trail because people were so frightened of putting me out there in case he made another of his multiple gaffes. So, and you've got this government which is trying to destroy the Second Amendment and, and disarm you. Um, I mean, okay, so having a, having a free speech site like, like Getter, uh, okay, it's a, it's, a, it's a crumb of consolation, but... The evil out there is so big, isn't it? I mean, you've got Zuckerberg. I, I, I hadn't realized this until recently. Mark Zuckerberg sees himself as Caesar Augustus. That's his ambition. You know, he's, he's already more powerful than any president. And that's, he, he spent, what, $300 million bribing judges to, to, to get them on side before the election. How does one beat a machine like, you know, how does one beat the forces of darkness when they are so powerful and rich? Well, the exact same way that we did in 2016, that we're able to get that message across. We had avenues that went outside the traditional media. So there are, you know, a couple different ways that we could go here. Obviously, I'm frustrated. I'm fighting mad. What I decided to do was let me go and work with some folks to help kick off a social media company that we can go and use the free market to give people an outlet. Because here's the other thing. Yeah, things could be uh, suboptimal is one way to say it, or yeah. uh, not that great with, with some of the uh, the crises, whether it be the Biden hyperinflation or the crisis at the border, Middle East, all these things that Joe Biden has caused. Uh, we can either curl up in a ball and say, "Hey, we're going to quit. Uh, you know, things are terrible. Maybe we'll move to Canada, uh, or uh, you know, or some, some things that like the libs always, liberals always say." Or we can go and come up with our platform to make sure that they're never able to deplatform us. They're never going to censor us. They're never going to tell us to be sheep. They're never going to tell us to just listen uh, to treat uh, his Lord and Savior, Anthony Fauci, uh, as the, uh, the the one true God. Um, this is uh, this is not the way that I think people with free speech and who uh, really value independent thought uh, want to go. And so that's why I helped to create Getter and get this out there. So we have this system where and it's as we see the growth and it continues to get bigger and bigger 
that people will have that place to go. They will have that uh, that digital marketplace where we can have this uh, this this sharing of ideas. Uh, because I think it's it'd be a shame if we just quit right now and said, "Eh, you know, they've they really cleaned down a lot of our political thoughts. So we're going to throw in the towel." No, we're going to come up with a platform that's bigger, better, more beautiful than anything uh, that the the big tech oligarchs ever came up with, and it's going to be fun. How how are you going to monetize it? So a couple of things. We'll probably start some online advertising Q1 of next year as we go into 2022. Um, but then also as we continue to build community, we do want to move in more into the, the crypto and blockchain aspects of this. I oh, think yes. that some of the e-commerce dynamics are going to be really big. And also, I think there's a way so many people are are rightfully worried about whether it be the Alipays or the Apple Pays of the world uh, that are seemingly dominate many of the financial services. Uh, we do think that a getter pay feature, uh, which would be something that's much more inexpensive for people, uh, that is not that's not selling or sharing your data uh, in the way that we see uh, these uh, other uh, again like Apple Pay and Alipay doing it. I think we can we can go and actually beat the liberals at their own game and, and give people who trusted free speech, uh, another option, another possible platform. And so um, the so the advertising would be a smaller component, but I think, like I said, the, the e-commerce, the blockchain, the crypto aspects of things. You know, one other thing, actually, James, this kind of goes right to where somewhere I think you'd be interested in. Um, this quarter, we're going to be adding in an online tipping or online appreciation feature. Yes. So, for example, if someone's watching your show or watching the, listening to the podcast, they can go and they see a post on Getter that's from you. Hey, here's uh, today's uh, today. We had a hot fire show. I, you know, I, I rumbled with Jason Miller, whoever the uh, the guest of the day might be. Folks can just hit an icon and maybe they want, want to tip you five bucks or ten dollars or obviously you have pounds, but uh, you know what I'm saying. Um, and you know some denomination that they have preset. So then you're you're able to then monetize through an additional new channel. You're able to uh, monetize the content that you're coming up with. That content creators on the platform. And so, uh, and again, you see how much that um, some of the companies take out for doing the payment processing. We do it uh, much cheaper. We'll do it more efficiently. And so that'll be another thing that comes online this quarter. Yeah, no, th that's good. Because it, it, it seems to me, that the world doesn't so much need a new social media platform, although I'm glad it's there. What Speaking on behalf of conservative content creators, the thing that really frightens us about, I don't want to give the secrets away to the enemy, but actually they know already, is that they get us at the, the payment stage. So, so when, when PayPal, for example, won't take donations it cuts you off from from your your audience that seems to be the weak link in the chain and it seems that the 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 financial industry is as woke as anywhere so how do you get around that i mean okay crypto is one is one route but you still need to convert your crypto into fiat at some stage um you know and if, if you've been if you haven't got a bank account whatever so how how do you how do you get around that well, and again, as we start going to our own um, payment processing, and as we start going to our own, uh, as we start developing more of the back end in the infrastructure, in fact, the uh, folks who I had to call with immediately before jumping on to join you, is how we're going to go and set up so people can do online political contributions uh, on Getter uh, without the, say, the candidate or the person running for office having to go and say, 
please give me money and basically be a digital panhandler uh, putting up a, a link uh, where there'll be that option where people can just go and actually hit uh, an icon in the corner and, hey, I like what this person is saying. I like what they believe in. I want to go and contribute to them and make it very easy. And so we're working through those back ends and we're setting those up with the the companies and the systems as we kind of go to the back end that can't be canceled or deplatformed just because simply they don't like your politics. And uh, James, you make a really good point here because the single biggest thing that I've learned in the, the couple of months I've been on board with Getter and as I've kind of moved into this new space is just how much big tech and big media uh, have the system rigged. And I'm not talking about like the Washington, D.C. I'm talking about not even just the U.S. I'm talking about the world, the way that the back end, whether it be the web hosting, the way the phones work, the way the email distribution works, all of the, the foundational infrastructure for almost everything we do in commerce today, the people who don't like your free speech can flip a switch and turn you off. And it's that simple. And because they have the media on their side, there's no one who's going to stand up and uh, and say, hey, this is wrong. Because again, if you're woke um, and you're you're serving your corporate masters, <clears throat> you're helping uh, some Wall Street corporation, you know, you're you're helping the fang stocks uh, in in some aspect. And you're Who's fighting Nazis as well. Because after I, all and we we have to I mean, we have to set up our we have to set up our own back end. We have to set up our own infrastructure if we're going to make sure that our voice and that's that's the key. And James can bring this full circle is it's not as simple as just your free speech. It's not as simple as just your social media platform. It is the ability to make sure that you can share your voice, that you can have uh, you can have some independent thought within this digital uh, town square, so to speak in a way that cannot be canceled or turned off. And that that's not just a couple of words here or there, it's the entire system. So while it seems like it's just a start with a social media company, uh, again, uh, fastest growing uh, in world history. So, uh, you know, I think we've done a pretty good job in that. Um, this is the start. This is the start of how we set up to make sure that we will never uh, be told that uh, we're not allowed to read about the Hunter Biden story. Uh, that we're never going to find ourselves like President Trump being deplatformed uh, is the the president of the United States to say that he no longer has a First Amendment right in the United States uh, on any social media platform. And that's outrageous. Yeah. But OK, but I we all share the same goals. I suppose what I'm asking you is. Is it possible? Is it doable? I, you, know, you mentioned, OK, so you've got the payment processors. You've got the the servers. Where what are the other areas where they can cut you off? Because th there are all these links in the chain. Are there enough? So the one, uh, yeah, I'll tell you the 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 only place. Uh, look, I mean, there there areas kind of all over where they can try to cause problems or, or people who who don't believe in free speech. The only thing that there's really no direct uh, the place where there's a little bit of the weak link is say with the uh, the Apple iOS phone system that and that's for the simple fact and again some people might be nerds on this stuff like myself or they might not realize some of the, the complexities if you have say um, a samsung galaxy or google android you can put any app that you want on your phone you can go to a website you can go to google play yeah. maybe it's on the store maybe it's not but even if it's not you can go to a website it's what they call an open system so you can go and just download it directly from the website and you have the app on your phone so you're good to go 
Apple has a closed environment. What that means is that they're the judge, jury, and executioner for what can be on the phone. So you might remember Fortnite, uh, the video game, which uh, my 12-year-old uh, absolutely schools me in. And uh, I'm the worst Fortnite player, I think, in, uh, in Boomer history. Um, but Apple decided that they didn't like, and again, for them, it wasn't a speech issue. It was just a, a percentage of the, the splits. They decided to turn off Fortnite and Fortnite was off the, uh, was deplatformed. Uh, we saw it with, say, with the social media app Parler, where they decided that uh, uh, they didn't like how Parler was handling their uh, moderation policy and they turned them off. Apple can flip the switch and say, your app is no longer available in our uh, iOS uh, platform. And you can be kicked off. That is that is the one thing. Now going to the the infrastructure, either moving people to, uh, you know, no one's going to stand up there and like rah rah. We got to all go get the Samsung Galaxy. And that's kind of a uh, the that doesn't fit on a bumper sticker, um, and it's not so much of a, a rallying cry. There are folks who've started trying to launch new, say, new phone. The, the Freedom Phone this week, which I've yeah, um, which, uh, which, which I actually which... I have one just sitting. Sitting on my shelf. What do you reckon? Is, 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 is that the answer? Because I've, 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 I mean, I've been championing it, but people say, "Oh, it's just kind of dodgy Chinese technology and blah blah blah." And other people say, "Yeah, but hang on, it's you can get all the apps that you can't get on iPhone." I don't know, but it's promising, isn't it? Uh, so I, I have it. Uh, the concept. Look, I, I applaud anyone who's trying to come up with with uh, new methods and, and and who's willing to make that big expenditure outlay uh, on the infrastructure end. Uh, but we have to have additional uh, outlets, additional infrastructure that can't be turned off. And so, again, like I said, it's sitting on my shelf at the moment. So I, I just got to power it up and go check out the phone. Uh, but you know, uh, credit to Eric Finman. Um, and Ben Q and all these folks who are going to do it. And I applaud ingenuity. Um, and I'll give you my, my customer uh, review next time we talk uh, as I, yes. uh, Ben's been blowing me up saying, Hey, when are you going to turn this thing on? I go, trust me, as soon as I get five free minutes, I'll do it. Um, but, well, don't uh, steal I'm my, my share of sales. Cause I, I too want to be promoting the freedom phone. I've, I look, here is my freedom phone. I've got it here. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't turned it on yet, <laughs> but um, look, That's my so, weekend project. My weekend so, project is to get smart on the freedom phone. So, okay. So apart from that Apple issue, can you, you can reassure me, can you, that there are white hats in the payment processing industry who are not going to shut us conservatives off, for example? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and there are additional that are on the way. There are a couple uh, couple places right now that are pretty good, and there are some more that are coming. Um, and so that is, uh, look, it's, um, you know, we're, we're, some people are starting to get a little bit more courage and kind of, and, and also too, I think realizing that there's a, uh, a, a lane in the market for people who are going to say, you know what, I'm someone who's not going to go and play the political BS, but the, the overwhelming majority, uh, yeah, they'll find a way to, to knock you off the pedestal if they think you get slightly out of line Before for their we, standards, I should say. There's one thing that suddenly occurred to me that I must ask you. Um, you Trump and the vaccines. For me, that was the biggest mistake of his entire presidency, because by buying into the Fauci narrative, which he did, he was essentially endorsing the production, the, the, the rushed mass production of a product, which I think is going to come back to bite us horribly, both in terms of the adverse reactions, in terms of the 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 path that it that it creates towards vaccine passports which are, are after all a, a form of control by the the globalist new world order uh what was he what was he playing at i mean did he have no other option what you know what's going on there 
So I think the the, the single biggest uh, aspect of that is uh, this whole debate on kind of the the elites versus the working class uh, was only being exacerbated during uh, COVID. And it was fine if you're Fauci or Joe Biden or other people, or obviously the UK has had its own frustrations. Uh, actually, I was going to try to uh, come over next week for the uh, the Spectator uh, conference that they're putting together. Uh, but then I guess there's there's still the 10-day quarantine unless I get an actual UK jab. Or actually, I think I have to get both UK jabs Don't. in the UK. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I've been vaccinated here. Uh, that it's so anyway. So I won't be there next week. I'll be over in the in the fall. Uh, but I think what President Trump saw was uh, tens of thousands, uh, if not hundreds of thousands, of businesses that were shut down and that will never recover. Whether it be restaurants, whether it be working people, uh, you know, the uh, someone who's a bus driver, someone who's like my father was a welder, uh, they're not salaried. Uh, they can't just sit at home and say, "Hey, we're on lockdown. Uh, we'll be fine. We can just, you know, I'll zoom into my welding job today, or I'll zoom into my um, into my my bus route that I'm driving, uh, or I'll zoom into my restaurant." Uh, President Trump saw people that were hurting and that were suffering, and we had to go and try to get life back to normal. Um, yeah, fine. If you're on Wall Street, you can take your laptop and go home and uh, you know do some some day trading uh, from home. But yet, uh, President Trump was trying to finally get life back to normal. And by pushing ahead the the production of the vaccine, uh, that was the best route uh, that he believed, and uh, which I agree with him that we were going to go and get there. Now, to your point, though, um, there's a lot of truth in what you're saying about kind of the uh, their narrative, and that's because the uh, look it was fine when Kamala Harris and Joe Biden were being the quote unquote uh, anti-vaxxers, and they were saying, "Oh, I'd never trust any." any vaccine that uh, that was developed under Trump. But then as soon as Biden wins, uh, then they turn around and say, oh, well, it's the Trump people that won't go and get the uh, the jab in the United States. And so they're the ones who are making the problem worse. So the media plays along with that, tries to, again, go to that heads we win, tails Trump loses. Uh, but President Trump, his underlying motivation there was there are millions, hundreds of millions of people around the country who can't just sit at home on a salary um, and do their job from a laptop to actually have to get out and interact with people. The only way we're going to get them back is to have this vaccine available so we can get uh, get kids back to schools, we can um, get people out and about, get these businesses uh, up and running again. That was his big concern is that people were, and their thing too is um, the mental health aspect, uh, the fact of the depression, the, the suicide rates, all the things we saw from people being told, you just stay at home. Um, that really concerned the president. Yeah, no, I I get the theory. Um, I just think, you know, if he was really the 5D chess player that that he was cracked up to be, he would have seen it from the position, well, the only right position, actually, I believe, which is that the whole of the pandemic, the whole of this, this thing was created in order to stop him becoming president again, getting him a second term. It was orchestrated by Big Pharma, by the media. Um, the, they... The, the pandemic happened not because there was a deadly new bug going around, because after all, if you look at the death figures, they're no worse than any other baddish flu year. This was orchestrated. All these responses, the lockdowns and stuff was cooked up in order that the, the, the different states could adjust their game, their electoral system so that Trump didn't get in. So you had more postal ballots and stuff. And I don't know. I think if Trump were as clever as, as people think he is and hope he is, he would have seen that and he'd have, he'd have called out the bullshit. He would have said, look, I see what's going on, but look at the statistics, look at the death figures, look at Sweden. And he'd have said, I'm not buying this. It would have been a, it would have been a massive gamble, a huge political gamble, but it would have been the right thing to do. No? 
So the um, it would have been a gamble. I, I do think that um, uh, the overwhelming thing in the election was that people want to get life back to normal. And they were sick yeah. and tired of uh, being in the lockdowns and things being shut down. And uh, I think that uh, President Trump, even though he's uh, he's a billionaire, uh, he lives in New York um, uh, when he's not or prior to the uh, the presidency. Now he's a he's a proud Florida resident, Florida yeah, man. Best place to be. Um, right but he's someone. Uh, uh, well, right now it's uh, July in, in Florida is uh, a little toasty. So um, in, in the winter and in, in the uh, you know and in the spring, it's a good place to be. It's a little too hot right now. But I think uh, President Trump is someone who you know he grew up going to his dad's construction sites of walking around and checking out the real estate developments and uh, you know figuring out how to build an A-frame and uh, doing all these things with the you know the hard hats and the guys who who brought the lunch pails to work. And that's really uh, he thinks most people in Washington are idiots, and the, the real knowledge comes with people who show up and get their hands dirty every day. And when he saw these people losing their uh, losing their businesses, their lives, uh, their careers, their families, uh, his his goal was to try to get life back to normal. So I think he did. Uh, he moved at extraordinary speed, and so we, we might we might disagree on this one, but uh, his motivation and his uh, uh, you know his passion was pretty clear. He wanted to help people. Is that, look, given given how rigged the system is, and it is totally, I mean, presumably the Dominion machines, for example, are they going to be allowed in the next, well, I suppose, states decide what equipment they use? So, right. so you know, I'm going to ask you, does does Trump have a chance of, a, of another term? But in a way, it's hard to know because is it is it possible that somebody like Trump could ever get back given the system is so stacked? Given that you can have more votes than any presidential candidate history and still lose now, absolutely. I mean, they they said it was impossible that President Trump could never win the first time, and and we did. Uh, and I also think that when you look at all the problems that Joe Biden has caused, now <clears throat> we're still in that little bit of that honeymoon phase, or in the uh, hey, don't worry that Joe Biden is is senile and is causing all these problems. At least it's not Trump. Uh, kind of that mindset that many in the media are in. Um, look, uh, the next twenty twenty four is an eternity away. Uh, right now, President Trump would be the Republican nominee. I still think one or two years from now, he'll be the uh, the Republican nominee if he wants to do it as well. Uh, so I hope he comes back. I hope we see him again. Um, you know, I'm glad to have launched Getter as a platform. So uh, if as he's looking to how can I still get my voice out, uh, he'll have uh, there'll be a platform like Getter for him to go and join. Uh, so I hope he comes back. Uh, we'll see. But I have a feeling he'll keep his guest until 2023. Great. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for coming on the, on the Delling Pod. Uh, may I remind people to, uh, that if you like this stuff, you can support me on Patreon, on Subscribestar, and on my dellingpollworld.com website where you can buy a special friend jab. Uh, you will find me shortly on Getter with my with my golden chariot, which I believe is what you get when you're really, really special. I should be... And, 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 and my, my crown, is that right? Do I get a crown? And... Uh, let me let me talk to the designers. Um, might need a little bit of uh, uh, artwork that we put in there, but you know our graphics it. team is great. So um, I'll come up with a crown for you. So uh, it will be a special icon uh, for your page. Let me let me go talk to uh, let me go talk to the team. And and good luck with that monetizing um, element as well. I think that's really important. And uh, yeah, I like I like fiat and I like crypto as well. I'm that kind of guy. So thank you, Jason. Good. Great to see thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye bye.